I want to thank you for taking the time to put this in your CD player and listen to this. This is a message that we preached a few weeks ago at Friendship, and it's about knowing that you can be saved and go to heaven. I hope that it blesses you, and I hope that you really uh, can find God through it. We have more resources available at concordfriendship.org. God bless. If you brought your own Bible with you this morning, my purpose is not to, to single anybody out that didn't, but, but if, you've, if you brought a personal Bible with you this morning, just, just hold it up, please. If you've got a personal Bible with you. Show me the front cover right quick. Just show me the front cover. Okay, okay, I'm just looking around for something right quick. Uh, let's see, let's see. I'm going to come, I'm going to find a volunteer just for a second. All right, hold it up for a second. Just keep it up, right? I'm coming around, I'm coming around, coming around, coming around. Let's see, let's see. Well... Well, I'm trying to look for something. Okay, I think there's one right here. Okay, Miss Barbara, I'm going to borrow yours. All right, praise God. Thank you, everybody. All right. So, uh, I'm going to tell everybody, this is my Bible. And it's actually not yours. All right. Now, could I get away with that? What? All right, if you're, on, if you're on this side, maybe you could see something. That's why I was trying to look all the way up there. You see, the way, the way I know this is not my Bible, and the way she knows it's hers, it's got her name on it. This is the way she always knows this is her Bible, because it's got her name right there on it. Now, a lot of you probably, thank you, Miss Barbara, here you go, you have it back now. A lot of you probably have your name written on the inside, but... I didn't want to thumb through everybody's Bible right quick. But you see, that name on the front cover tells you whose Bible that belongs to. Right here, I've had this one since about 2001. Jesse Watkins right here. It tells you who owns this Bible. Now see, this morning I'm going to be talking to you about the security of your salvation. And the fact is, if Jesus Christ owns you, then He has written His name on your heart. Say, preacher, how do you know you're saved? Because on my heart, Jesus Christ has wrote His name. Just like I know this is my property, because Jesus has written His name on my heart, I'm His property. And whenever you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He gives you the sign, the seal, and the stamp that you are His. I want you to turn the Word of God this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, It's printed there in your, in your notes, in your bulletin. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And I've been doing this series called Doctrine. We've talked about the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Word, the doctrine of grace. And there was a, a circumstance that happened this week that just really laid upon my heart the doctrine of eternal security. The doctrine of knowing you are saved. The doctrine of knowing you are going to heaven. 
Because there are some uh, uh, religions, even some denominations that teach you can't really know. I would hate to be married to my wife and not really know if she would stay married to me. I would hate to be married to her and not really know if she loved me. When Christ hung on that cross, He did so. Not so you can wonder if you're saved. He hung on that cross so you can know that you are saved. Let's look at His Word this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. It says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed... You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Two things I want to point out to you for emphasis. One is it says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And secondly, in verse 14, it says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Until the redemption of the purchase. You were sealed with the blood of Jesus. And you are guaranteed of your salvation. You see, God's glory was not miraculously revealed through 66 books in the Bible. God's glory was not revealed through the people of Israel. He did not bring them out of slavery in Egypt. Make them wander in the desert for 40 years. Just so you could wonder if you're going to heaven. This whole book is manifest to the fact that your salvation is sealed until the day of the coming of Jesus. Jesus came up out of that tomb. So you would know you have an inheritance in an eternal kingdom. The first thing in your notes, I'd like you to take notice of this. My first point this morning is that the Holy Spirit seals salvation. The Holy Spirit seals salvation. I want you to take notes this morning. And I want you to keep this in your Bible. I want you to tuck it away and I want you to keep this. Revelations 21 verse 27 says, And in heaven there shall no way enter into it anything that defiles Neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter into heaven. A lot of people think there's just one book in heaven. No, it says actually there are, are, are many books. There are the books of works. And then there's the book of life. You see, everything we've ever done are recorded in the books of works. But in the book of life is written only the names of those who's trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God gave me a great illustration this week about your salvation being sealed. What I'm going to do here is I've got a card. Just a note card. I'm going to write salvation on it. And I'm going to put it in this envelope. 
This is not a magic trick. This is just an illustration. It's a great illustration. I can't believe I've never thought of it. It took me like nine years to think of it. Okay? So first I lick it. That's not impressive. But this is the impressive part. This is called a wax seal. Here you have a... I think this is a bronze seal. And a candle. Now for centuries... Possibly thousands of years before they invent stuff that tastes so bad. They need to make like strawberry flavored envelopes. I could probably be a millionaire tomorrow if I invented strawberry flavored envelopes. I'd be sending thank you cards to everybody I know. Mmm, right? So when they would send something, they would seal it. And then they would take this wax. And they would drop... Maybe six or seven drops on it. You see, kings would have a special ring that had an insignia that was only their own. And if the king took his ring and sealed it with wax, that means it was his personal message. And you knew that no one could tamper with it because when you got that envelope, that wax still must be sealed or someone else tampered with it. So let's say they put seven or eight drops. And they would take that seal, they would stamp it in the wax. Whatever symbol, maybe it was your family crest, maybe it was uh, the king's initials. But it creates a seal on that envelope, showing that it was the king's personal message. And when you got this, that seal was still there, no one could tamper with it. Your salvation is sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Father God, the Son Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to send you a comforter. And the comforter, the Holy Spirit, is the seal of your salvation. How do you know you're going to heaven? It's because you have a seal, the Holy Spirit, upon your life. You see, Jesus bought you. On Calvary. Jesus paid for you personally. With his holy blood. So therefore. When we trust in Christ as Savior. We now belong to Jesus. See if I find something on Amazon. That I want shipped to my house. I have to give them some form of payment. I give them a credit card number. Maybe you send somebody a check in the mail. But you give someone a payment. So that they ship something to you. Guess what Jesus did? He told the Father God, He says, I want these people in my kingdom. I want these people to live eternally with me. And He paid the price for you. Jesus doesn't pay the price for anything so that it could be returned. If you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, He's already paid for you. I'm being shipped. Praise God, right now Jesus slapped an envelope, a stamp on me. I'm on my way to glory. It might take me one day to get there. It might take me 75 years. But we're going. Not only is the name of God written on your life. But your name is written in heaven. You see when you prayed. When you prayed God forgive me of my sins. God I accept you as Lord and Savior. Jesus wrote your name. In the Lamb's book of life in heaven. Do you know that God doesn't sit up there with a racer? And takes everyone's name written in the Lamb's book of life and says, well, they mess up today. Let me erase them. I'm going to tell you, God has an eraser. And the only thing it erased was your sins. 
But your name in the Lamb's book of life was written by the blood of the Lamb. The pure and precious blood which will never lose its power. Your sins can be removed. But the blood of Jesus remains forever. How do you know that a payment is going to get to the power company? You seal it in an envelope. You see, maybe you write a check for, I don't know, $100 to the power company. Boy, that'd be a good power bill, wouldn't it? You write a check to the power company and you seal it. How do you know that that's going to get there? Because it's sealed in an envelope. You just don't leave that envelope flapping out so your check can fall out. You seal it so that when it gets there, it's sealed and someone can open it. The Holy Spirit is your security deposit. It secures your past. I'm sorry. He secures your past, present, and future in glory. I'll share a prayer with you today. Ever since we moved down here, my wife and I have still owned a house in, in Jamestown up near Greensboro. It's been on the market for eight months. I want to give you a praise today that just yesterday there was a, a couple where we agreed on a price and they're going to buy our house. But do you know on Monday they're going to give our realtor up there a security deposit? They're going to say, we are buying this house. We are buying this. And they're going to give money in faith that they're going to be the ones that purchase it. Do you know that you have a security deposit? The Holy Spirit is your security deposit. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you this so that you know on the day of redemption, I will take you home with me. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to be scared and say, well, if Jesus comes back, I don't know if I'm going. If the Holy Spirit is in your life, you're going. You say, well, preacher, how do I know the, if I have the Holy Spirit? We'll find that out in a minute. But I can tell you this. The Holy Spirit is your security deposit. Your salvation is not based on your performance or your works or even how you feel. Your salvation is based upon the finished work on the cross. You see, there are some Christians who come and they say, Preacher, I think I need to be baptized again. I haven't been living right. Imagine how this would work in your marriage. Imagine if I, man, I made a real bonehead of myself on a Saturday and I said, I said, uh, honey, I just haven't been, I haven't been doing right. I think we need to get married again. I mean, I mean, I know I haven't been living up to the vows I once said, but we need to get married again. No. You get married, and it says for better or for worse, I'm going to mess up, but we're still married. You see, just because you think you haven't been doing a good job doesn't mean Jesus has left you. You may be, uh, you may be far from God, but let me ask you, who moved? I heard this story about an old farmer and his wife. They was driving in his truck. He was at the steering wheel. She was over there against the window. She says, honey, I remember when we were young and dating, I used to just cuddle under your arms while you was driving. And he said, who moved? <laughs> He's still in the same place. Maybe it's your fault you're over there. <laughs> you see, when you look at your relationship with God, God's never moved. He's still right there waiting on you. He's still driving the steering wheel of your life saying, Hey, you want to be close? I'm right here, buddy. But I've never got out of the car. Some people have bumper stickers that says, God is my co-pilot. I don't think that's right. God needs to be flying the plane. God don't help me fly the plane. God will fly my plane. I don't need to be in control. 
You know, just like you don't have to get married again, just because you've been messing up lately, you don't have to get baptized again. Be honest with you, baptism is a symbol. That's like me saying, well, I've just been mean to my wife lately. Let me put that ring back on, see how it works. Nope, still the same. You see, baptism is a symbol of a covenant that you have with God. Or a matter of fact, that God has with you. God still keeps His covenant. You see, you would never marry someone if you thought, well, if I do something wrong, they're going to leave me. If I thought, man, if I mess up next week and my wife is going to leave me, you wouldn't marry that person. Because when you take a vow, you say for better or for worse. You see? And you marry in faith. Say, I'm going to love unconditionally. How? What kind of relationship would it be if we said, I'll only become a Christian... If I know God will never leave me. Or you said, if I become a Christian and God can leave me tomorrow, what kind of decision would that be? Now you come in faith saying God's going to love you unconditionally. He already paid the price for your sin. You think he's going to walk out on the relationship now? No, it's not how it works. And there are some denominations that believe in regenerational baptism. They believe baptism makes you clean again. But do you know that your salvation is not based upon the cleansing power of water? It's based upon the cleansing power of the blood. It's not the water here that makes us clean. It's the blood of Jesus. And baptism is a symbol. First, I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit seals your salvation. It's the guarantee that you're on your way to heaven. Secondly, the Holy Spirit reveals salvation. Your salvation has been sealed. The Holy Spirit now reveals your salvation. 1 John 5.13 says, These things I've written to you, that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say that you may wonder. It doesn't say that you may guess. It says that you may know you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It's one of my favorite quotes ever, and I got it from the last pastor I served with. He's a dear friend. He always said this, It's not a think-so salvation. It's a know-so salvation. See, I used to be a renegade evangelist. I mean, I just didn't care. I'd go up to somebody and I'd say, do you know you're going to heaven? I wouldn't break a conversation. I wouldn't start. I'd just start right up. Now, I've changed a little. I, I've become a little more gentle in my persuasion. That's like going to a sleeping person and shining a flashlight in their eyes. You walk up to somebody and just ask them a question off the bat. They're a little scared. But now I'll, I'll open a question and transition into it. But I'll say, do you know you're going to heaven if you die? Well, I think so. Boy, I'd hate to live like that. Do you know you're married to your wife? Well, I think so. It's not a think-so salvation. It's a no-so salvation. I dealt one time with a young man for months who was tormented day and night over his own salvation. He didn't think he was saved. I mean, literally, he would, he would sit in bed at night and cry over his own salvation, just in torment. And my response to him, listen, if you don't think you're saved, just look at the cross. Turn your eyes to the cross. Focus on Jesus. Because he thought because of the way he was personally living, that it meant that Jesus had not died for him. Or it meant that he wasn't a Christian. I says, listen, stop looking at yourself and start looking at the cross. That's where you find your authority and salvation. If I walk around looking at Jesse Watkins all the time, that doesn't give me a whole lot of assurance 
But if I look at Jesus Christ, I can say, He paid the price. And I believe. See, we must look at Jesus in our salvation, not at ourselves. Because we're going to fail. We're going to mess up. But Jesus is always faithful. If you live in a... Where you still feel in danger of going to hell. You know what? You're going to live under guilt and condemnation. If you think, man, if I mess up tomorrow, I might go to hell. You're going to live under guilt and condemnation. And that's just a tragedy to live in. But if you know you are saved. That's the first step to living like you're saved. Let's see, somebody today is going to get freed up in their life. Because you're going to walk out of here. You're going to know without a shadow of a doubt. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You won't have to guess. You won't have to wonder. But if the blood of Jesus has cleansed you of sin. If you've accepted and trusted in Christ as your Savior. You will know that you have eternal life. But I ask you this. What's the first question? How do you know you are saved in the first place? By faith. Ephesians 2.8 says you are saved by faith, not of works. You see, if your good works do not qualify salvation, then bad works will not disqualify salvation. Listen, because you got angry at someone last Friday doesn't mean you're no longer a Christian. Because you messed up three years ago doesn't mean you're no longer a Christian. It just means that that's further evidence of why Jesus had to save you. And some people think that faith means not having any evidence at all. I disagree. You live by faith every day. How many people have ever flew on an airplane? Okay. You see, when you fly on an airplane, you're acting in faith. And you base that faith on evidence that that plane will fly. You know, if you, if you were walking up to the airplane and you saw gasoline leaking out of the wing, you wouldn't say, well, you know what, I've got to live on faith. Just got to do it. You know? The left wheel falling off the airplane. You get on there. I just got to live on faith. No, you always base your life on evidence. And this is why the Bible says you have been written these things in the gospel so that you may know you have eternal life. Your faith is based on evidence. It's based on the regenerational power of God upon your life. Let me ask you this question. If you sin and you do wrong... Do you know what's wrong? I imagine that everyone would say yes. Everyone here that's a Christian would say yes. You know why? Because of the Holy Spirit. You know what a lost person does? They sin and they don't give a hill of beans about it. They don't give a rip. But you see, when you do something wrong and the Holy Spirit convince you, the Holy Spirit's there because it's your assurance of salvation. Now the problem would be, if you went along sinning and never felt bad about it, then I would get worried. But if you feel bad, it means the Holy Spirit's in your life. It means He's showing you that this is, this is not right. Like I said, God does have an eraser, but He erases your sins from His memory. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in blood, and once a name is written, it is not erased. There are some, there are some branches of, of Christianity, some branches of, of Baptists that say you can lose your salvation. That's based on this concept. That's based on the concept that they owned it to begin with. You see, but I can't lose something I never owned. You see, because the difference is Jesus owns me. 
Jesus purchased me. I didn't buy salvation. Jesus bought me through salvation. And if I think, if I think that I can lose it, then that means I owned it. I never owned it. I can't lose something that I didn't buy. Jesus bought it with his blood. He purchased me on the cross. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. That is your assurance this morning. The Holy Spirit seals salvation. The Holy Spirit reveals salvation. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit fulfills salvation. So you don't just get the Holy Spirit so you can know you're going to heaven. That's not the end of it. The end of it doesn't say, well, I'm going to heaven. Let me go on with my life now. No. The Holy Spirit is just the beginning of fulfillment in your life. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, here's a third way that the Holy Spirit shows you that you're saved. Most of you will say this morning, you know what, preacher? I'm not the person I used to be. You know why? Because of the Holy Spirit. If we look worse than we did before we became a Christian... And that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is not in our life. But because you're not the same person you used to be. You might not be who you need to be. But you're not the same as you used to be. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings about the fruit of joy, love, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. You see... The purpose of your salvation is so you can fulfill the kingdom of God on the earth. Salvation is not just a membership card that you carry. You know, I'm gonna see if I have a here, here. Let me see if I have a membership card. Here's my military ID. See, some people think that salvation is just a card that says, "I'm saved." Now I can do what I want. Salvation is not something you carry. Salvation is something that carries you. It's not a protection against, it's not a fire insurance protection. Salvation unlocks the totality of life. It's not just so that on the day of judgment, you will go to heaven. It's so that right now, you can experience eternal life. God is not just concerned about taking you up to heaven, but He is concerned about you bringing heaven down to earth. What did Jesus pray? Thy kingdom come. As a Christian, we don't just sit here waiting for Jesus to come and get, and get us. What we do now is we proactive say, God, let's bring the kingdom of heaven down here. Let's let lost people see what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Let's start acting like heaven down here, and then lost people will be attracted to it. The Holy Spirit fulfills your salvation by making you start to look like Jesus and start to look like the kingdom of heaven on earth. Your eternal life starts now. Eternal life doesn't start when you go to heaven. Eternal life starts the moment you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Abundant life starts now. Some Christians limit the power of their salvation because they reduce their salvation down to simply a choice. Listen, your salvation is more than a choice. It is more than a decision. It is the holy will of God that pursued you and persuaded you until your will was changed and you gave in to the influence of the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm living? I'm L-U-I. I'm living under the influence. Sometimes I might just be in my car worshiping in God. 
Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. Policeman might start pull me over. Sir, you drunk? No, but I'm under the influence. I'm under the influence of the Holy Ghost. You see, the Holy Ghost has influenced my whole life. Up until the point of the salvation and all the way through salvation. It's the Holy Spirit who gets the credit. It's God who gets the credit. Your salvation is the whole theme of the Bible. Why is it important that you come on Sunday nights and you start looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament, how they fit together? Because your salvation is the whole theme of it. We don't just study Samuel because we learn about a historical figure. No, Samuel is the lineage of the story of your salvation. What God did in Israel is what God is continuing to do now in your life. Now, I didn't say that you were the theme of the Bible, but your salvation is. The lineage of the prophets in the Old Testament was for the purpose of God calling the world to himself. Do you not think that when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, that you were not already on God's mind? Let me tell you something. When God made a garden and put Adam and Eve there, he said, I know that John will one day trust in me as Christ and Savior. I know that, that Charles will one day trust in me as Christ and Savior. Do you not think that when that little baby, being God in flesh, was born in a manger, that you were not on the mind of God? Listen, that great day in Bethlehem when the Savior was born, you were already on God's mind. God brought birth to a baby so we could raise forth a son with a sinless life. He could die on a cross so that you could go to heaven. Your salvation is the theme of the whole Bible. And do you not think that when Jesus was on that cross, he was thinking about you? I believe Jesus, being God in flesh, would be able to know every single name of his children. I believe God, as he was watching his son being crucified, knew every single person who would trust in Jesus as Savior. Jesus was on that cross for you. And some people would dampen the miracle of your own salvation because you think you actually were a good person and didn't need a Savior to die for you. See, there's come some Christians that think, well, uh, that person deserved Jesus a whole lot more than me. But do you know this morning that if you could see the magnitude of just one sin, if you see the magnitude of just one sin against an infinite holy God, then you will see the magnitude of our own depravity. Then we will see the magnitude of the cross. Every single one of us, we have to understand this morning, deserved hell. Every single one of us deserved to be separated from God forever because of our own sin. It didn't matter if we sinned a thousand times or one time, God can have no part with sin. Every single one of us deserved to go to hell. But God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Would not perish. But have everlasting life. Maybe you're a Christian today. And maybe you're under the impression. That because of your own sinfulness. It means you're not a Christian. But you see. Whenever we as Christians start to see our own sin. What it should do. Is it should make us cling tighter to the cross. 
Maybe you see, yes, preacher, I've messed up bad lately. Maybe you say, man, I've made a lot of bad decisions even after I've been a Christian. But let those bad decisions cling tighter to the cross. And sometimes our own messed up depravity is still testimony to the world that I still need a savior. I still daily, I don't wake up every day and say, man, I'm perfect today. I don't need God. I wake up and say, God, I need your grace and righteousness as much today as I did when I was 15 years old and accepted Jesus Christ. As a human, as a Christian, I struggled with this doctrine a long time. For a long time, I wondered, you know what? Am I really saved? There was a mentor of mine and he gave me this. This is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. If you want to write this down. He said, if God has saved you. God will keep you. You see, it wasn't you that saved yourself in the first place. It was God. It wasn't you that hung on the cross. It was Jesus. When you look at your own salvation, ask this question. Who saved me? If you saved yourself, it can be lost. But if Jesus saved you, he will keep you. If Jesus has saved you, he will keep you. And he gives you his Holy Spirit as a seal of your deliverance to heaven. Let me ask you something this morning. First of all, I believe that there are Numerous Christians in here that can have an assurance of salvation today. You've been a Christian, but maybe you've been living with the doubt that I'm not sure I'll go to heaven. Be sure today. Be sure because of the Holy Spirit. Be sure because of the blood of Jesus. Be sure because of the power of a sovereign God. That God didn't save you so that he can lose you. God saved you and he's going to keep you. If you're a Christian, be sure of that today. Lastly, if you're not a Christian, maybe today you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so. I'm going to ask our musician to come forward. And I'm going to ask just for a moment that every head be bowed and every eye be closed. I want to talk to a person this morning that has never trusted in Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation. I pray that the message this morning is testimony of God's goodness. Is testimony of God's faithfulness. And that God wants you in heaven for eternity. That as Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking about you. If that's, if that's you this morning, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. I want you to do three things with me. First, right where you're sitting, if you'll just admit before God, if you'll just admit, God, I am a sinner. God, I am in need of your grace and mercy. Secondly, would you believe That God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sin. Right where you're sitting in your heart. Just say God I believe. That Jesus Christ. Paid the price for my sin. Will you forgive me. Of all the wrong I've done. If you've admitted that you're a sinner. And you've believed on the cross of Jesus. The Bible says that. He who. If we confess our sin, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin 
And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that God, through your repentance and through your trusting in Christ, has written your name in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. If you're making that decision first time this morning, with every head bowed, every eye, clo- every eye closed, just raise your hand. Say, preacher, I'm making that decision today. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else making that decision today? I see those. Anybody else? Praise God. Here's what I want to do. In just a second, we're going to have a song. We're going to have a time of invitation. If you made that decision today to accept Christ as your personal Savior, you truly made a commitment to Him and asked forgiveness. I want you to grab the hand of a family member and come down and say, Preacher, Jesus Christ is my Savior today. If you've never been baptized and you want to be baptized, you just walk down and say, I desire to publicly show my sins have been forgiven. And if you're looking to join this church as a member, join what God is doing here, let today be that day. As we sing, I'm going to be waiting for you. Won't you come?